and Dusty Rhodes, the American dream. With that weight, got what I wanted. Ric Flair, the world's heavyweight champion. I don't have to say a lot more about the weight. It's hard times. David Ben Vinivan from the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, you might tune into the wrong podcast. Hey, how you guys doing? It's the producer from Brothers Comics. Uh, welcome to the Marvel Hacks Season 3 Annual. Uh, we had ended on Episode 6, and then we had actually made a change um, because some books had come out, and we kind of wanted to get those in before we went on our mini summer hiatus. On the line tonight are my two favorite Marvel Hacks. On the line tonight is the Sandman. Sandman, say what's happening. Nichiwa people, I thought we were going to get the whole dust up there for a moment. Yeah, well, you know, Dusty kicks his ways. He, he makes his ways here and there. R.I.P. to Dusty Rose, by the way. I don't know how long ago that was, but yeah, R.I.P. to Dusty Rose. Also on the line tonight, uh, it's Brother Beavis. Brother Beavis, say what's happening. Hey, what's up? Didn't we say hey. that annuals suck? Yeah, do. annuals do hey. suck. Okay. Yes. All right. They yeah. suck. Well, let's get suck ready to suck water. then. Yes, they do suck. Um, we are going to attempt to break the chain. Uh, this is giant size X-Men annual, maybe. Uh, we're really trying to, to do something different, but probably not. Uh, we'll go through the books tonight uh, here in a little bit. We got two X-Men books. Uh, we got another Dusty Finish, if that's their one. And uh, we're going to talk about a couple of premieres in the Marvel Refresh. But before all that, uh, we got to get the blurb notes. Hold on, let me hit my music. If I remember to do it. Blurred notes. Blurred notes. Blurred notes. Okay, blurred blurred notes, notes are topics blurred and nerddom uh, for the week. Uh, we'll spell out the letter or the word blurred. Uh, I get creative with how to get those letters in there. Um, and we'll swing it around the table, see what's up and what's down with the guys here. All right, number one, B. Uh, B is for Billy D. Williams. Billy D. Williams is going to be back as Lando Calrissian in episode nine as the third trilogy I guess wraps it up uh, he's finally going to get brought back into the movie since they brought back every damn body else uh, Billy D's finally going to get brought back Brother Beavis you said he should have played the role um, on the ship as the uh, in episode 8 that might have been a good role for him to be the code breaker but he didn't make it in that one are you excited about Billy D making it back well <clears throat> I, you know since they bet on the wrong uh, that would be a harsh thing to say. I was going to say bet on the wrong horse, which I kind of just did. But uh, they sort of made, they set up uh, episode nine to be the, the Princess Leia movie, and that didn't work out. So it's almost like he's getting called up from the minors. And I think, yeah, it would have been a lot better for them to have him cap off Bill 8, you know, have her die instead of doing the Mary Poppins move and, uh, you know, figure out something else for episode nine. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it 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 seems like he probably should have he would have fit better in that episode or in uh, episode seven. But you're gonna get him at the end. Are you excited about Billy D being back, Sandman? Eh, I don't know if I would say excited. I mean, it would be nice to see him. Is because uh, uh, Lando was, of course, in the original trilogy, kind of a side character. He ends up playing a role, obviously, in the uh, Return of the Jedi later on. But what's bigger? So you could tell you he's probably a. Uh, lower main character but uh, uh he's this is probably the one um situation that a, a black man in the movies is probably not going to get killed because there's literally no one else around so uh i wonder how much his, his reception in solo contributed to this too um i would mm. imagine that his role did play a little bit of a 
uh, help in trying to get the character back somewhat towards the mainframe. Um, but probably more than anything, you know, I think there was probably a little bit of outcry about the fact that he hadn't been in it yet, you know. And again, you you know, we have Finn, and that's great, but you've done a callback for all these other characters. I don't know why he wouldn't have been somebody that you get a callback for. Um, and I haven't seen him at a couple of cons, I guess, in the last couple of years. Uh, they need to get that nigga in there quick, because uh, <laughs> uh, he ain't got he ain't got too many more years uh, if they don't get him in quick. So y'all need to make that happen. I'm not sure what kind of diet plan they're going to put him on to get him in these movies, but they need to get it <laughs> happening really fast. So, um, yeah. All right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it. You know, it'll be fine to see him in there. All right. L uh, for lies. Uh, Kevin Feige came on uh, one of those news power programs or whatever and said today ahead of San Diego Comic-Con that Marvel has no plans for Fantastic Four or X-Men movies yet. Um, he said that with a straight face and he said that they don't have any plans. He's just waiting for the green light. Uh, Sandman, do you think Kevin Feige and all of his Feiginess doesn't have any thoughts or plans about movies for the Fantastic Four and X-Men moving forward? Oh, that's a goddamn lie. Um, he is, uh, of course he's got plans. They've had contingency, he's even admitted in the past they had contingency plans for any other characters that they would reacquire. So he already kind of uh, contradicted himself. He's just trying to, you know, be cool about it because they, um, as of today, don't have the rights yet. But uh, it looks like things are furrying in um, Disney's favor. And um, I would say within the next two months, maybe even sooner than that they, they're probably going to have the rights and then they'll be off and running at least I mean they'll be down the line obviously before they can uh, properly integrate these characters but uh, no they got plans he's just not going to say it out loud Brother Beavis is that a bold face lie from Kevin Feige it seems like it because it seems like two weeks ago he was like yeah I got ideas I got like ten stories I'm just waiting for the go ahead mm-hmm yeah. I yeah, just hope just, they don't jump right into the modern stories and do A versus X because I just don't want to see that. Hmm. You, I was thinking about this the other day. You would hope that they would almost, you know, in a SmackDown Raw kind of way, keep them separate um, mm-hmm. and, you know, almost do a phase one type of situation yeah. over there, really, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, just, I mean, you, I mean, literally start it from scratch and kind of build up that universe to make it something before you bring the SmackDown characters to Raw because it just doesn't make any, you know, it's, you have to rebuild, you got to build a brand before you can put that brand against and, or you wind up getting, you know, WWE versus, you know, ECW and, you yeah. know, it's going to be a squash and nobody's going to want to really watch that. I mean, it'll be cool, but you already know the outcome of it. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm sure he got folders upon folders of plans. The only thing that they don't have is who they're going to cast, but I'm sure the stories have been plotted out you know, through a couple of movies. So, I don't know lies. that they need to keep anybody any anybody that's cast in any of the current roles. Yeah. I mean, maybe <laughs> right. Professor X and Magneto, but beyond that... Yeah, right. yeah I, 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 think it's a, I think it's a full flush if, when and if it happens. I think that they're going to flush everybody out. Yeah. I, I Particularly if all everybody. indications oh, yeah. with this X-Men Phoenix are that it's going to be garbage. Yeah, and all I, indications is that it will be garbage, too. So They're going to flush them out. There's I, no way they're going to keep them. 
I had a thought that that movie doesn't even get released. I just the other yeah. day, like I was like, there, it, <laughs> it could be a straight to video kind of release type of thing because it's clearly troubled, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they don't want that to be their final image or final whatever of whatever whatever it is that their legacy is. They probably don't want that to be the last one. But okay. Um, e E is for excellent, and I'm gonna assume that we've all seen this movie by now. I know I have, and Sandman has. I don't know about Brother Beavis. Uh, excellent for Ant-Man versus Ant-Man and the Wasp versus Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, a standard kind of you used the phrase palate cleanser uh, when you sent your review, Sandman. That you know, just a good movie to kind of take you off of the angst and anxiety that you had at the end of Avengers three. Um, so yeah, I put it down as an excellent movie. I thought it was good for what it was. Uh, Brother Beavis, did you see it? I haven't. I had plans last week, but they fell apart. So. I haven't seen it yet. I heard it's good. I'm sure it's good. I mean, they, it seems like that's just a movie that knows what it is and goes out and yeah. does it. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Or, or, or a yeah. part, not a movie, but like a part of the franchise that just kind of knows what it is. Yeah. Yeah, and, right. And, and kind of in the sense that we were talking about some of the books from over season three about, like, uh, well, really the DC books with Plastic Man and Hawkman about knowing... Like, like, you don't need to be up against a world and global threat here. Keep it small and local, and that's what you're going to do. And that's what they do in this movie as well. You know, it's it's fun. It's got action. It's got heroes. It has all that stuff. It has Evangeline Lilly, who's the star, really, of the movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, I, thought it was, I thought it was excellent and a great addition to you know whatever parts of the uh, of the mcu that it is whatever niche corner it has it is there and sam man you had anything else for that uh just to pretty much uh, uh echo what you just said i thought it was uh it was good it was good to very good i thought it's uncomplicated kind of straightforward it was a light comedy uh, you already said it was kind of a palate cleanser from the deepness and the heaviness of infinity war and slight spoiler alert there, there is a connection to infinity war uh i won't say yeah. where or when but uh there is something that ties in and um it's a fine movie i mean uh, there's some people i think that went into this thinking that they were going to get some answers for infinity war but you're going to be disappointed because <laughs> yeah. it's not this is often its own corner of the marvel universe the marvel cinematic universe and um, i appreciated that about the first one it's a small part uh, separate from the others, which is fine because not everything everywhere is connected, which I appreciate it. So, very good. I liked it. Yeah, one one of these things is not like the others, and those two movies are nothing like the other ones that are out there. So it's um, yeah, yep. I, I thought it was I thought it was really good. It, it's it's equally as good as the first one. I think the first one just shocked us for the sense of like, man, that's the best Ant Man movie that you could make. Like, <laughs> Exactly. This one is a good movie, a good comic book movie, you know, starring the Ant Man and the Wasp. That's pretty much it. There's, yeah, there's nothing really about it that you're gonna be like, oh, well, you know, it, they, you know, what you're gonna get when you walk in that door. So, yeah, I thought it was fun. It's excellent. All right. Uh, R R is for ridiculous. Um, it was announced officially that there is going to be a Joker movie starring Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, as a solo Joker movie that's on top of the Jared Leto movie that's going to be happening. So we literally have two greenlit Joker movies headed to Cineplexes, allegedly, at some point in time within the next couple of years. 
tell me, Brother Beavis, why anybody should be excited about this. I can't. Uh, I can't tell you why anybody would be excited about this because it's dumb. It's, uh, <laughs> I, you know, I don't... Uh, one of the things... I, there's a lot of things I say a lot of times on this podcast. And one of the things I say a lot of times is enigmatic characters don't get better by learning more about them. So I don't. We you can't give us a credible origin story that matters because there isn't really an established Joker origin story that has stuck for any length of time. Uh, you know, I there's no like he's not even an anti-hero. I mean, he's not like even a, like a a dark hero. He's a straight up villain all the time. So I don't know how you have a protagonist of a movie who's a sociopath and make that work and you know everyone's always going to be compared against Heath Ledger and Jared Leto tried everything he could do to go away from that and it was horrible and so I don't know what Joaquin Phoenix is going to do I mean I'm sure he's got a great take on it it's just I don't know we just don't need it and you know they need to just get better at making movies before they keep making bad decisions about movies it, it seems that every method actor now well, yeah. scratch that, every white method actor now <laughs> is lining up for to try to play this role and to trying to you know be yeah. out best you know ledger's role and again I, this is going to sound incredibly morbid but i think a lot of the a lot of the whatever about his role was based on the fact that he died after it. you know i don't i think if he is if he didn't die i don't think we'd be so uh, kind of married to this idea, like, oh, it was the best role ever. I mean, he did do a great job. I'm not trying to say that, but I think there's the morbid curiosity of the fact that the man died after playing that role, and that just makes it takes it to another level. Like these dudes is like, well, I'm gonna play the role. I ain't trying to die though, but I'm trying to be <laughs> method and do whatever I can, you know, to try to bring out this role. And I just think that it's ridiculous. It's it's just ridiculous. Sandman, help me out here. Yeah, man, DC don't know what they're doing. They screwed up their version of a cinematic universe, so now they're throwing up their hands. It's like, well, fuck it, let's go back to doing what we were doing before. Which, you know, that was their bread and butter. And so, yes, solo movies, unconnected to anything. So now they're going to have this version of the Joker, and they're going to have continue with the Jared Leto, uh, Leto, whatever his name is, Suicide Squad version of the Joker, and they're going to confuse the fuck out of everybody, and they're both going to suffer for it. And they're just throwing stuff at the wall again and seeing what sticks and rolls down and you know what what they can go with and god help them if none of them work <laughs> i have no idea yeah i mean the yeah. wb's got money coming out of money so they're gonna see, keep chasing the rat i mean we got the first pictures of the shazam movie and e-dub today um san diego comic-con next weekend right? yeah. so we're gonna get a lot of that stuff I think there was news about the cast for Birds of Prey starring Harley Quinn, which is a whole nother issue as well. Um, and you got the Jason Momoa Aquaman movie coming out in, I guess, November or, or December, something like, I mean, you know, but it is. it seems like they've just decided, like, just let's stop trying to build a universe and let's just make these solo movies and, you know, and see what happens and, you know, throw a little Easter egg here and there, maybe in there, but just to try to keep them, you know, completely unconnected which is fine i guess but de- i definitely wouldn't try trying to build a universe around the joke it's just yeah. no it's not a good i thing. would like to yeah. see like luthor and joker like them together or something like that right. because i think they play off each other well and if they're going to do this legion of doom plot line they teased at the end of justice league 
you know, I think there's an interesting Luther, although I don't really like Jesse Eisenberg as Luther, but there's an interesting Luther and Joker movie out there. Yeah, um, the dynamic between mm-hmm. the two. Yeah, right. Maybe something. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, did you ever see Deadpool 2, by the way, since we were talking like, <laughs> movies there, brother? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm delinquent on that. I was like, I need to go see that. And then I saw the DVD was coming out. I'm like, oh, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> a couple weeks. You're approaching. You're approaching Hutch territory in terms of seeing these movies. That we I know. Wow. <laughs> Legendary. Hey, I, I think I saw Infinity War twice before you saw it, so I'm good. Yeah, nice. <laughs> a tent. I'm a, more of a tent pole guy, personally. Yeah, personally. <laughs> you know, these All ancillary right, uh, movies, I'll get to them when I get to them. Yeah, exactly. All right, and letter D to run out blurred notes is uh, for Ditko. Uh, artist mm. Stephen Ditko passed yeah. away this past week. Uh, most legendarily known for drawing Spider-Man for so many years. Also, uh, I see create Doctor Strange or co-created Doctor Strange. Yeah, I think so. Co-created. Uh, yeah, just yeah, just a legendary artist. I mean, you all grew up reading his stuff or looking at his drawings or whatever for comic books. So yeah, just a that's a real that's a really big loss in terms of somebody who created a character or created a look of a certain character that people are copying you know 50 years later brother. yeah and one of the people that uh, Stan Lee screwed over back in the day uh, <laughs> which he which he always said too uh, Ditko yeah. is he always said he yeah. screwed him over yeah. yeah there's a long line of people that's trying to catch hands on Stan Lee's face uh, <laughs> Much like in an Adam Jones airport fight kind of way, there's a bunch of people lined up trying to get at Stan Lee. So, uh, yeah, yeah, R.I.P. <laughs> uh, Mr. Ditko, you definitely uh, influenced the game till this day. Still, you know, he, I mean, pretty much all modern day Spider-Man drawings are based on Dit- Ditko, really, until McFarlane got to it when he yeah. took it, you know, to the big eye level. I mean, so you're talking. 35 years of people drawing Spider-Man, basically based off his design. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was crazy. Alright, all right, that concludes Blurred Notes. Uh, let's get into these damn books. That's day one, that's day one. Alright, um, in issue or episode six, we talked about the Dusty Finish. I wrote a long article about Dusty Rose and the Dusty Finish uh, on BrothersComics.com <laughs> uh, because it was just, you know, it, it, it was such a it was such a dusty finish and for the people who commented on it you know old school wrestling people are like that was a dusty finish I'm like it's a total dusty finish and um, DC was like hold my beer you want a dusty finish we want a dusty finish <laughs> once so, again DC slightly behind Marvel on the uh, just on the new exactly oh, man yeah. um, so I don't even want to. I mean, I want to review the book a little bit and Sam and fill in the gaps what I'm missing. But essentially, mm-hmm. this book, Batman number fifty, they had led up to this wedding uh, for many, many months. They had gotten all the free press that you could possibly get. As I said in my article, they got a lot of cheap pops um, from a lot of press everywhere to get to this moment. And before it comes out, this is, which is the week after uh, X-Men Gold, where Colossus and Peter don't get married, spoiler alert, um, <laughs> they leak it in the New York Times that the marriage actually doesn't come off. So we're even telling you the ending of this before, too. Like, they don't actually get married, Batman and Catwoman. And so a lot of fans were upset. You know, so many people had pre-ordered this book, 
you know, they were so excited about it. And now they weren't getting, you know, cheap pops. They were getting heat, like real heat. <laughs> so, um, it was like the death of Superman. Psych, he lived. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, it, so they really, DC really stuck themselves in the foot. But basically the story, the book is a whole, it's a like a love letter written between the two of them, basically over the course of their relationship through the comic. And the comic is intertwined with different, artist renditions like I couldn't even tell you how many different Ugh. artists drew uh, portions of this book I would say 20 plus yeah, and drew least. different parts so it'd be like a picture of the regular artist doing the page and then uh, a book or a page with an, a guest artist who did like a cover or a splash Yeah. and so and then all throughout the book it's I'm not there. a fan of that by the way that, I find that to be like really jarring it's, it's one thing if the story like changes or you know they go to a different dimension or different scene or part of the story but when they just turn the page and somebody knew it's like oh, what yeah. yeah yeah it's distracting I, I, I thought it was at least it's kind of you're kind of like going in and out it feels like different mm-hmm. stories and stuff like that so I mean you know it's the same story and they're trying to uh, uh, portray this, this love letter between them and, and the main story but eh yeah, I could do without it too. That's definitely not my favorite. Yeah, I mean, I like the idea that it was different versions of the characters drawn different ways over the yeah. course of their relationship, you know? And, you know, and everybody's got different takes on, the, you know, how the characters are. I mean, I get that part. Um, you could have just put them all in the back of the book, though, you know, kind of like a, an annual, and put all those renditions in the back, and you still would have told the story. Regardless, the story is just them telling each other how much they loved each other over the course of time and how they could see each other's eyes that they were supposed to be together, blah, blah, blah. But um, Catwoman pulls at the end. Uh, she, we don't even get like a runaway bride because she doesn't even show up. You know, they're supposed to get <laughs> married like early in the morning with a, a drunk pastor. It was Morph, I think. They're supposed <laughs> to get married with this drunk <laughs> pastor and because he wouldn't remember who they were. And um, Right. She on a rooftop or some shit, right? Yeah, on a rooftop. Yeah, on the rooftop. On the rooftop. Yeah. yeah, she doesn't show up. And basically her her explanation is, you know, if I make you happy, then you won't be Batman. And then the world needs Batman. The end. Uh-huh. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was basically it. And I'm just like, uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It just... Terrible. It, it just, yeah, it just didn't. I mean, I don't know. You, again, you getting you getting cheap heat for doing something that you didn't need to do. You know, especially if if comic books hold true, like three or four months from now or six months from now, you put them back together, just not married. Like, I mean, you didn't need to go through all this to begin with because you did it to sell books, and you know, yep. you didn't pay off at the end for people, and you know that erodes trust in comic book people, especially old comic book people who already are on the edge about trusting these books anyway. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just did, you know, it it seems to me, and I, I, I brother, I wonder why they leaked it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I yeah, mean, there's always sense, a question right? of whether like somebody leaked it or they leaked it I, I don't know yeah. was it what was the leak in relation to the release of X-Men 30 uh, it was after yeah, both right I, uh, yeah it was but I think it was a more of a preview like the previews had already gone out for it yeah. and um, I, I don't know like but nobody was nobody was getting articles in you know Entertainment Weekly you know although that is owned by the WB or whatever 
uh, weren't getting articles in there about Peter and Colossus getting, or Peter and Colossus. Yeah. I said that in the last <laughs> podcast, yeah, Peter and Peter getting married. Yeah. And, like, I don't think, and no New York Times articles are written about that either. So Nobody knows who you, Kitty Pride is or Colossus. Yeah, well, exactly. So that's what I'm saying. Like, you didn't get all that, that free press to then not under, not deliver on it. Um, yeah. So yeah. you could have broken Maybe somebody was up. pissed. Maybe somebody that hyped it was like, what? I ain't taking this dusty finish. I'm about to ride on this. <laughs> exactly. I'm about to ride on these fools. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It, it's, Earl Hebner's brother could have run out from the <laughs> married his, her twin sister or some shit like that. Maybe, oh, I don't man. know. Oh, man. Have to give the it. rings back because the evil twin ref, yeah. Yeah, try to fast count it. Uh, I don't know. It was bad, but yeah, that's it. So yeah, that's day one DC. We kind of waited to do this. I wanted to wait and end this podcast without an annual on Batman Fifty, and then this happened, and I was angry about it. And I was like, well, we got to talk about it anyway. So this really kind of spurred the annual to begin with. But one and one other book kind of spurred the annual. So, uh, Sandman, you read it. Thumbs up, thumbs down. In the middle, where you at? Nah, I gotta go down. I, I wanted to, if they had went through with the wedding and everything, it would have been, you know, it would have been a challenge and stuff. It's, um, uh, it would have been a change from the um, um, status quo, which is, you know, terrifying to comic book writers and stuff. I think I texted you guys earlier in the week that it feels like another uh, Spider-Man One More Day syndrome kind of thing, where they just, you know, like, well. Uh, Mary Jane and uh, Peter are married. Let's find a way to uh, get rid of that and get back to the status quo again. And they sh- at least they made it, you know, to the change. At least they made it to the marriage. Hell, they didn't even get there. The DC, there's like, ah, psych, back to the same. Maybe shit. the creative team was like, uh, all right, we should do this wedding. Now let's read some other comics about how the other books, how the other comics have handled weddings. And they're like, uh, that sucked. That sucked. That sucked. That sucked. Yep. Maybe we should just not do this. Yeah. And again, yeah. and I think we and we brought this up when you know it'll come up in the next season when we get to Fantastic Four. Like, where are the successful uh, marriages in comic books? You know, between comic book characters. That's, I mean, that's the one. The Fantastic Four. That's the only one. I mean, that's really like the only real long-term one that hasn't. You know, and even that one is shaky at best. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't think they want to see Sue's text messages between they, her and him and her and Namor. <laughs> so, um, I just, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, putting the characters together. I mean, y'all can be together and not be married. Like, I don't, you know, I don't understand why you got to put them together and make them married, too. Um, yeah. Well, I heard that if you love it, you have to put a ring on it. No, thank you. Uh, the Beyonce portion. Yeah, Sandman segued and brought up Spider-Man, and I told y'all we were going to put it in another part, but since he brought Spider-Man up, I'm going to bring up Spider-Man number one. Uh, I, it wasn't on the list. I'm just going to be, I think I'm the only one that read it. Amazing Spider-Man number one. Again, it's a refresh book um, after the god-awfulness that, that Spider-Man had ended that we did review on here. Uh, 800, I guess, or 700, whatever that was, the terribleness of the Red Goblin or whatever the hell it was called. Yeah, just awful. Yeah, yeah. So, new new creative team. I can't remember the uh, artist's name, but uh, great art. Uh, Nick Spencer took over the book, though. Who, who was Ryan Otley. Se- Thank you. Uh, uh, behind Secret Empire uh, and then also this uh, Hypercap thing that everybody kind of hated. He also wrote um, Sam Wilson, Captain America, which was a really good book as well. But 
besides that, basically that book reset Peter's life. Um, Amazing Spider-Man number one. It reset his life, and and we'll get your take on this as well. It reset his life. Like things were going okay for Peter. He had a, a consistent job at the Daily Bugle. I think he was the editor of a, the science uh, portion of the newspaper. Um, he's got a, a roommate. He's living with Robbie Robinson's uh, son, and then the dude that's uh, Boomerang. Actually, that he knows that he's Boomerang, but you know his alter ego person. So they live together in a, an apartment in New York. Um, everything is going pretty well for him, and then he he gets invited to uh, Empire State University or whatever, and to you know speak as a famous alumni. And then somebody was like, "Oh yeah, by the way, you plagiarized your doctorate." And that was the story about when uh, Dr. Octopus was in his body and he went out and completed all of his doctoral work to get his PhD. And they're like, all right, well, you plagiarized that. So you're now, you know, your credentials are invalid. And then he loses his job at the Bugle. And then Mary, you know, um, what's his name? What's her face? Uh, his aunt is oh, like, oh, man. my God, you embarrassed me and my family. Your uncle didn't raise you that way. And like everything just goes to shit. Wow. And. You know, and then he goes back to Mary Jane, his real true enemy, and it's like, you know what, you're the only person I can really count on, and they kind of reconnect, and you know, that was pretty much the end of the book. But the debate on Twitter today, with the uh, with the shout the shout out to the Do You Even Comic Book people, the debate on Twitter today was, are you okay with you know sad sack Charlie Brown Peter Parker, you know, <laughs> like does does even though that is kind of the status quo. I mean, Peter's supposed to be in his mid-30s. Like, at some point in time, nigga, you kind of got to get this together. Like, is this still, like, exactly. the struggle that we're dealing with? Or it, you know what I mean? Like, I, I put out there, I was like, he lives in New York City and works a job at a newspaper. His life should be a struggle being employed. Mm-hmm. Not, not even just not being employed. It should be a struggle as it is he would need three roommates to live in the city with a job like that you know without all the extra hassle so i'm just kind of curious are y'all fans of sad sack peter i'm not i i I used to hate that in uh, back in even like the the 70s 80s version of spider-man where he was always he has so much drama in his life all the time and may um his various girlfriends you know always pissed at him because he's never around villains beating him up tearing up his outfit you know by the time he gets home he's all beat up and uh never having any money with (laughs) with the bugle and stuff and struggling all the time it's just i mean the original struggle hero man i used to get tired of it and now they're going back to that Eh, no i ain't a fan of that brother beavis i feel like being miserable is almost like one of his superpowers so I, I, I feel like it's kind of part of it's it. Gotta be a limit, um, so yeah. yeah, there is. I I think they went too far when he was like he was essentially Iron Man. I think that was too yeah. far in they the other direction. I'm sure yeah. there's a yeah. sweet yeah. spot, and maybe they'll balance off. But yeah, I mean, to a certain degree, you kind of expect things to never work out for Peter. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, I just. I don't know. It's kind of like my take on the X Men or whatever. Like at a point, you're really yeah, just telling the yeah. same story over and over. Same again. thing. Like at same a point, thing. which yeah. is going to come up when we get to Astonishing X Men. By the way, folks, so hold on to your hats. Yep. And um, it's just you know, I was just like, I read the book, and the book is really good. The art is really good, and I like. I mean, I know people 
dislike Nick Spencer for the uh, Hydra Cap thing. And I get that. And he's going to be writing Archie, by the way, soon, too. So, woohoo uh, for me. <laughs> uh, I just, you know, I get that. And, like, like I get it. I understand that this is what makes people comfortable. But, golly, man, after a while, it's just like, come on, dude. Like, get it together. Like, you, I mean, at some point, things got to turn around. At some point. I mean, because he's on the path of, he literally is on the Charlie Brown path at a point, man. He's just going to go nuts and start wailing on people. You know, he should turn heel, to use another wrestling term. He should turn heel. So, all right. That's it. All right, that was Spider-Man number one. All right, so we're jumping into the Incredible Hulk, uh, Immortal, excuse me, Immortal Hulk number two. We reviewed the first issue on, uh, during the season as well. Brother Beavis was uh, thumbs, middle, or down. I was enthusiastic about it. I think uh, Sandman was as well. So I'll let you take the lead, uh, Brother Beavis, on Immortal Hulk two. Yeah, so uh, a lot of the story is about describing the new relationship between Bruce and the Hulk. And we're finding out that Bruce suffered from Hawkeye shooting him in the head a lot more than the Hulk did. And to the point where it sort of flipped the balance of power. And it's almost like Hulk can um, sort of control Bruce with various nudges and hints and whatnot. And so uh, this particular story is, you know, he's out in the middle of somewhere in, in the flyover states and uh, somebody's messing around with gamma radiation and the Hulk doesn't take that. So uh, I think the new twist of this series is he's almost like Hulk, Spirit of Avengers slash The Punisher slash Moon Knight. Ghost Rider. He's out to pun- yeah, yeah, Ghost Rider. He's going to yeah. punish anybody who abuses gamma radiation. Uh, mm-hmm. And you get overall a pretty morbid story with this guy who was a scientist who was afraid of death and tried to find some way to cheat it. Came with a, a serum that he thought worked for him, used it on his son, and killed him. And he became this sort of uh, anorexic, radioactive man looking. And, and Hulk's response is, is pretty brutal. Yeah. Very brutal. Uh, yeah, is that is that he buried him alive or something to that? Yeah, he, he, yeah. The, the guy's fear was like his yeah. fear of death was just this fear of like being in the abyss and nothing. So Hulk rips off his arms and legs and buries him in a hole under a you know mile of rock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, th- I think I, when we reviewed issue one, I was like, man, this, the book is damn creep show and the Twilight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. The Hulk. That's what I was thinking and, when I was reading it. Yeah, it feels like. Yeah, that. and I was like, and I'm and I'm here for it because I think you need to tell stories like this with the Hulk because after a while, you know, Hulk smash gets to be boring after a while, and I think at least this adds a different layer. So two issues in, brother Beaver, so you thumbs up, thumbs down. Well, I mean, I think overall it's not for me, but I guess like along the lines of what you said, you know, the I think Creepshow is a great analogy, and I think this this um, this at least is a rendition of the character that's not a carbon copy of what's going on in the movie. So you're getting something mm-hmm. new. God, you're yeah. probably getting something that resonates with parts of the Incredible Hulk um, legacy. So I think for Hulk fans, it's probably something cool, something new, something that fits somewhere along his path. It just is not really for me, though. Okay. Sam, man, you read it as well. You thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. I'm going to give it a thumbs up because it was different and um, it's I hadn't even thought about it. You guys uh, said earlier like, like Ghost Rider and it's very much like Ghost Rider. He's punishing people, you know, for misusing, I guess it is, just gamma radiation 
and um, he's like drawn to it almost mystically like the Hulk can feel it out and he guides Banner to it and um, I guess at night he's, he's back to changing into the Hulk when he's at, at night I guess now so mm-hmm. it's almost like a, a weird um, detective team almost and uh, <laughs> a la creep show because that's what I kept thinking about is yeah. like this is this has all the beats of a like a light horror novel actually and the way it ends it kind of ends like a horror movie and stuff so uh, um, I was like wow <laughs> it, it kind of sh- shook me up I didn't know they were going in that direction so I would give it a thumbs up it's very different it, uh, I was thinking about it after I read it yeah, like I said, Hulk books can turn into Hulk smash, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This is at least different. You know, you kind of wonder how long they'll keep it at this and how long that you can. I think it's Al Ewing is writing this book. Um, I don't know how long you can run this because it is still the Hulk. It's something the brother. You need that on a T-shirt, brother. <laughs> it's still the Hulk. Um, <laughs> and so after a while, you know, it's, you know, it's, it. I don't know how far you can get with this, but I, the book is drawn creepily and written creepily. Mm-hmm. Uh, they a definitely a great match of artist and um, and writer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I give it a thumbs up as well. I, I'm I'm not big for uh, reading Hulk books. Uh, I'll probably continue this at least until they figure out how to fuck it up. So, yeah, <laughs> I think too for as much as we've bitched about like how all these books seem to make the same mistakes, to have something that really is different is refreshing. If you like this kind of storytelling. Yeah, and yeah, it is, it is a well-made book right now. Yeah, yeah, it, I, I agree. agree. It, and and something we just said, like it, like Ant Man and Wasp, it knows what it is. Like it's not trying to be anything more than that at this moment. Mm-hmm. And you know, the last the two villains in this book have been uh, uh, Bad Dad, and I think in the first one it was <laughs> like just a like a regular murdering dude yeah. who had gambling problems or something. Like, it's just like, yeah. like nothing really, it, no real big issues or whatever just uh yeah hulk you know smiting folks so, they should yeah. build up to a story where hulk's own dad co-ops the powers of the absorbing man and then they have yeah. a fight in the clouds over the desert there you go oh uh, that'd be nice yeah, yeah. you know what uh, side brother topic um that shit was on something the other day maybe not the other day but like months ago and um, my kids was like, "What's that?" I'm like, "Oh, oh, I didn't tell y'all about this shit." <laughs> yeah, really bad Hulk movie. I was afraid <laughs> to scare you off of these movies. <laughs> <laughs> he looks so fake. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, man, that yeah. movie was." Why is so he fighting bad. dogs? So bad. Why is he fighting a poodle? Yeah, slapping, poodles. Oh, it was so bad. Yeah, and it was like, "Why is he? Why is he flying?" He's flying. Well, yeah. uh, he was on the back of the plane and shit. And, oh, God. Yeah. It was terrible. Oh, that was bad. All right. Anyway. All right. Let's get to something better than that. All right. Captain America number one. We get to our refresh of all of the uh, main three characters in the Avengers now. Uh, I would say with the first two, Iron Man was complete butt cheeks. Thor was it was I, uh, and so now we get to the rubber match here. You know, it can go one way or the other. Uh, we get Captain America number one. Now, when it was announced uh, in the early parts of the winter that Ta-Nehisi Coates was taking over Captain America, uh, I was skeptical uh, based on his previous work on uh, Black Panther. Just was not my thing. Uh, six issues in, I was just like, this isn't for me, and I bailed, even though people. Uh, like Agents of Shield have told me that it is much better now. I didn't get I didn't get past six, 
So when I heard he was getting on the book, I was just like, mm, I don't know. And especially coming off a book that we've reviewed on here, say for the last three issues of the Mark Wade version, we were really excited about that Captain America book every month. Uh, so, Captain America, number one, Ta-Nehisi Coast, uh, Lenil Francis Yu, who we've been watching his art for a while now. And sometimes I'm okay with that dude, and sometimes I'm not. But that's a, a podcast for a different time. But basically, this book is really in Ta-Nehisi Coates' wheelhouse. Him being able to write about political issues through a character in the United States. Because if you've ever read any of his stuff that is not related to comic books, this is what he does. He writes about race and race relations in the United States and how it affects politics and sociopolitics and economic politics and historical politics. Like This is what he does. And so giving him a book like Captain America probably, probably makes sense. Uh, in that in that regard, and to me, this book works very well in his in his writing style, and you know, you're basically doing a parallel for what's going on in the United States today. You know, people are divided, and uh, Cap is being dropped back into this world as somebody who was a, a little bit of a polarizing figure after the you know uh, Hydra Cap situation, and he's there. There's there's a, there's two there's one B plot story about somebody being broken out of a prison in Russia. Uh, but the A plot is Captain America in between dissenters and resistors in Washington and trying to kind of sort that situation out. Bucky is his uh, manservant and taking out people where he wants to. You, these, you see these dudes with the flags on their faces and you think they're humans, but they're actually cyborgs. That's a whole other story. I would imagine that will come out later. But it's basically Cap being put into modern day politics and what is his place in that world seeing that he's himself is coming out after being um, hydrocapped for so long and people not trusting him um, again I thought the book was very well done I thought it was well written uh, I can get used to Lenil Francis Yu uh, we'll head it around the table uh, Brother Beavis what you think well I thought it was good but the problem I have with it is it's saddled you know this is a another relaunch but it's saddled with so much prior story like, because I'm sitting here like, so is this just a call back to the Cosmic Cube Hydra shit? And why is Sharon Carter old now? And <laughs> yeah, why is General Ross now? I mean, it doesn't, it, it does not feel like a new number one because it seems like it's dragging all of the old stuff forward to get to a point where, you know, we've now put, we've taken Cap out of, uh, you know, the lead number one shield agent superhero arm of the president whatnot. And we could go back to just having almost like a street level cap dealing with some terrible villains, um, <laughs> but it's but but they're still carrying all the burden of where it was. And so I don't know. I, this is one where I, I, I another one where I want to see how it goes over time. It's really weird because the Wade books were like a bridge book too. Yeah. And the sense that they took for the good part of that is I would say what the last nine issues eight to nine issues they took him out of the regular continuity to begin with so yeah. it wasn't like it was right you know what i mean like the the last three books didn't even really star captain america right and, right um it, so it didn't really matter so it was like it was picking up really at the end of secret empire now is this is when this is picking up and the last nine issues or whatever that happened before didn't even really happen you know it, it gets into this weird spot where you know they're obviously playing at you know, up against Trumpisms in, in terms of the United States, even though they just call it the president, 
everything that they're pointing to seems that the president is also Trump as well. And, you know, it, it just, it felt real in a way that maybe comic books don't sometimes. And so I think that that grounded in reality kind of made it more entertaining for me. And like I said, this is this is what he writes about. So, like, this is perfect for him. Sandman, what did you think of Captain America, number one? I did like it. Um, uh, like you said, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates is uh, very well um, equipped to write in that politically tense environment, especially the one we have today, obviously. And um, you could feel that in the book as you read it. And um, I do like the fact that uh, he's dealing with the uh, fallout from the um, the Hydra uh, situation. Nobody really kind of trusts him because there's, the, there's a black woman that he rescues in this issue uh, and uh, she's kind of got this what the fuck look on her face at him the entire time even though mm-hmm. she literally uh, he literally saved her from death even and she kind of just runs away from him at the end so you know he's and he he basically says that very thing you know um, narrating it through that entire uh, part is like yeah it was like it's not the country I uh, I left you know when I was at war now you know with all the Hydra stuff, and now he's struggling to deal with it and trying to figure out, you know, again, what's his place in the, uh, this country now. And uh, <laughs> he's got all pretty much all questions and no answers, you know. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on with Sharon Carter, why she's old. I'm glad you said that. I was like, what, what, who is this? And I didn't know it was her at first yeah. until you said it. I was like, yeah. is, it, is it the art, or is she actually no, old? No, she's actually old. No, she, she actually mentions like, it. Yeah, she, she mentions it. Yeah, yeah. she references it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that is. Yeah. Yeah. And again, there is this B plot about Hydra still around and we get Celine from the X-Men there. um, Where's she killing? Like, you know, does a public execution in Russia. And I don't know who this Alexa lady is. I thought it was the White Queen at first. No, it's not her. Her name is Alexa. So I'm like, I don't know who that is. Uh, But, you know, there's obviously that plot too. You know, maybe... I, I would imagine they're not going to cross mutants in here in these books, but there was this idea, you know, that there's somebody out hunting Hydra as well. So, like I said, I thought the book was really good. Um, I, yeah, I was like, wow, that was really cool. And, and again, my expectations may have been very um, tempered uh, because of what happened with me with Black Panther. And I think, you know, again, writing about a political environment and Pan-Africanism in uh, uh, um, Myth, a mythical fake country in Africa <laughs> might not have been what was in people's wheelhouse when they picked up Black Panther number one two years ago. Right. Writing about a tense political situation between dissenters and resistors and the standard version of the government in the United States, um, that was just on CNN 15 minutes ago. So I think that, you know, again, a book that's kind of grounded in reality with a character who has superpowers, but people kind of look at as somebody who's like, you know, a regular American air quotation marks. Uh, I thought the book, yeah, I thought it was great. I was like, wow, that's really cool. And um, I'm looking forward to reading Cap again. So, yeah, that, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm way thumbs up on that. So you're in the middle, Brother B, was waiting for more information. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it an incomplete. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Sandman, thumbs up, thumbs, thumbs up. Thumbs up, definitely thumbs up. I liked it. Thumbs up. Yeah. Okay, all right. Okay, so that is that. Uh, what's next up to bat? Might as well do gold. I don't know which is which is going to leave the the least sour taste in the mouth. Gold or astonishing? Uh, gold. Go, yeah, I got it. I had gold and then astonishing. 
Um, no, I had Astonishing and then Gold. Um, fuck, nigga, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> both of them are bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, we do. We, we used to do a version of a Throwback Thursday, and this is kind of a throwback in the sense that uh, it's back towards the X Men or whatever, and they're in. It is a throwback, and both of them have a story of a throwback of a character coming back to the team, and the other one's a throwback to a classic X-Men story. So uh, let's do it alphabetically. Let's do Astonishing first. I think it's probably worse of the bunch of them. Um, Astonishing X-Men, it starts off with uh, Havoc is back, and we don't need some backstory here, too, from comic Wikipedia as well. Yeah. Like, for some reason, he is a, yeah. uh, a mutant terrorist. But not all like, this has something to do with... Yeah. With Secret Empire, right? Ah, yeah, I, I can't help you uh, because I was wondering <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, all this was news. Yeah, yeah. Had, yeah, yeah. I think it had something to do with Secret Empire as well. That he is and, and much like him. Kitty's wedding, Havoc doesn't get pressed. So if you don't have that book, you're probably not going to find that story. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure who his flack is, but they're not working very hard. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this is a new creative team for Astonishing X-Men. Now, we started the Astonishing X-Men book with a little bit of promise because it was really the Saturday morning X-Men cartoon team. Right. Uh, we were really excited about it. You know, of course, it, it had Phantom A or Phantom X or whatever, and that we weren't excited about that part. But for the most part, it was a decent team. It started out with a story with um, Shadow King, and then it just started to unravel and went on for days and years where the story that should have wrapped up probably in three or four issues wound up getting upwards of nine and ten issues and spun out of we got Xavier got brought back to life and then he took over Phantom X's body and uh, then he was and then they they met up with uh, what was that dude uh, Proteus it was literally yeah it was I forgot about all that bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah they would like to forget about it too apparently because <laughs> issue 13 is the start of a brand new team um, well, wow. and so should this should this be number 13 or should this be the even more astonishing X-Men number 1 I mean because we yeah. talked about like <laughs> all these restarts you know I, uh, it's funny to me that they they're doing a fresh start at number thirteen, yeah, it, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really curious as to how many of these X books, like, will be survived after the merger or whatever. I, like, I yeah. really think that that's like something that'll change dramatically with the X books, but whatever. Um, yeah, so this is thirteen. If you look at the cover, the team is whack as hell. <laughs> um, <laughs> is this is X Men hanging out in Australia, whack, but without a storm? Um, it, they got uh, no flyers and three dudes that can hit stuff, and one guy who can't control his powers. Yeah. <laughs> no telepaths. Yeah, yeah oh, no God. telepaths. Yeah, is that was Dazzler, Colossus, Colossus. Warpath, Warpath, yeah, um, Beast, Beast, and Beast. That's just awful. Man, oh man. It's what a terrible a, X-Men. Just a random smattering no. of X-Men. Bizarre. Yeah. But yeah, so there's a two. The A plot is Havoc has come back, and he's trying, he wants to start his own X-Men team. Um, and a part of starting that X-Men team, he gets to go Gets back completely to dressed his, down by Iron Man. Yeah, yeah it gets completely dressed down. <laughs> yeah, he kills a monster that the Mole Man had created. 
uh, or, or had brought to Grant. And yeah, the Mole Man brought up a monster. He freaking blasts it and kills it. Uh, the Avengers had already Arranged. made a deal with the yeah. Mole Man or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. or something. Or, that made no sense to me, yeah. but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, he yeah he gets dressed down completely on in public television uh, on on TV or whatever he goes back to the mansion uh, his head between his legs but he wants to you know teach and he's the, the new mutants don't respect not the new mutants the team the younger mutants don't respect him um, and Kitty's like you know I want to start my own team and she, my own X Men he's like can't do that I'm like what well, you don't own like, the name like well actually I do. <laughs> uh, the other mutants are like, uh, we read them Australia books. You suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, Rock slide. You have a question in the back. Yes. Is it true that you dig down your brother's uh, wife? <laughs> you had to wear her costume. <laughs> That's damn near what he was doing. What he said to him. He was like, yeah, yeah. Like, why are you even here, dude? Yeah. Why don't you? Why don't you get? Why don't you get your sorry ass up out of here? It was. Uh, that was terrible. Yeah. yeah. And and that I'll tell you how far Havoc is slid when he's getting dressed down by Rock Slide. He's uh, he's but worse than Cyclops now. I mean, damn. Yeah. He and 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 I'm sure there's and there's the parallel story there, which I think kind of sucks that they would you know kind of burden him with. That yeah. one being a mutant terrorist, and then two burden him to be, you know, somebody that's not respected by the people in the house anymore for what he did. Like it just seems kind of like tropey at this point. Well, y'all share the same last name, so y'all must be the same. Um, <laughs> that's the that's the A plot. Uh, I think it winds up with him going to try to find Beast to see if he can get Beast to help him join the team. Yeah. Beast doesn't want to have anything to do with him as well. Beast is teaching, I think he's a professor at Harvard. Harvard, yeah. Or something to that effect. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And he doesn't want anything to do with him either. Um, just whatever. What, real quick, though, when there's a battle here. We'll get to the B plot, too. But he's his power is only coming out of his chest now. And I'm pretty sure he used to be able to pull it from his fist. Is that correct? That is he, correct. Yeah. Okay. Like old school habit. Yeah. Yeah. He used to. Yeah. He he's yeah, gone back and forth. He used to be able to direct it. He did have a time where he just did that, and you know, with the chest aiming or whatever the hell it was, and they've gone back and forth. So now he's back to what he used yeah. to be. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. He's doing the the chest push out thing now. Right. Um, and only like he can't do it the other way. All right. right. The B plot of this is something that uh, I'm gonna readily admit that I did not know there was a Miss Sinister. Um, oh, she was, in, uh, she was in X-Men Blue, was she not? Was she? I'm going to guess. Uh, we bailed on that a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, yeah she, Miss Sinister gets cat- kidnapped by the Reavers. Uh, the Reavers turn them over to this other dude who uh, backstabs them, double-crosses them, uh, and they take them away. And then when Beast and Havoc are having their conversation at Harvard. The Reavers, you know, come and attack them there, and there's a big battle between Reavers and Havoc and Beast, and that—that's pretty much it. Pretty much. Um, there wasn't a whole heck of a lot going on in that book. I think more than anything, I have no idea why they even bothered with this book. Once they got rid of the, I mean, because now you got X Men people just floating out that don't have anything. 
Gambit and Rogue who were in Astonishing X-Men, they have their own book, Mr. and Mrs. X. Colossus was on Gold, but now he's on this team. And yep. We'll talk about why he left or whatever. Now he's on this team. Um, and then who was asking for books with Beast and Warpath? And like, I certainly <laughs> wasn't. Warpath um, was in the X-Force, but I don't think we ever read any of those. I didn't. Okay. Yeah, yeah I didn't yeah. either. Um, so, like, it's just a, it's a hodgepodge group of team or whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, self, if you're going to bring <laughs> Havoc back, why don't you just bring him back to start X-Factor? You know? Yeah. Like, At least that would make more because, sense. Because, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, we don't need Strong Guy. I think, well, Multiple Man has his own book now, too. I just saw that. It's written by the same dude that does this book. Yeah. Uh, Multiple Man has his own book. We don't need Strong Guy or Wolfsbane or any of those people. But you could probably get Lorna back, and you could probably get, I don't know, I mean, you could put, like, Dazzler or something, you know what I mean? Like, you could just start a new X-Factor book with some old school and some new school people in it and do that. Like, to, to saddle him with an astonishing X-Men book with just a god-awful team, just, uh, you know, you're he's going to get buried on Sunday night, you know, wrestling, you know, <laughs> and... It's just not a it's not a good look, and it, this this book seems like a placeholder, brother. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah. It, it, they're it's they're in the midst of flushing the other books. They apparently ran out of steam on what Astonishing X Men was. Uh, I don't know if like Mister Mrs X is the placeholder for the future of the X Men universe, but yeah, once again, yeah. the X Men are kind of adrift. Yeah, mm-hmm. and again, uh, I thought. X-Men Gold 30 was the end of the Gold and Blue books, but apparently they're going to go on for a couple of more issues and but they're ending as well so you know there's a refresh coming because they're not going to have, they're not going to leave it just with Red and Astonishing um, No. and again, I, I, I sent y'all that text from that or I, that tweet that somebody was talking about X-Men Red, like, was like, oh, it's this and that, I was like, what book are they reading? Because we read it <laughs> are we not getting the proper editions oh, yeah. lord this yeah. is terrible mm-hmm. yeah, I, don't know. I mean it's not terrible but it's not that it's not so uh, whatever but anyway we're not doing that but yeah so alright so y'all read Astonishing thumbs up thumbs down thumb in the middle uh, Sandman yeah that's a thumbs down for me I was when I looked at the cover of it I was, I was just kind of already shaking my head that's never a good sign because like I said before they just got the smattering of X-Men parts they threw on an issue mm-hmm. and and Havoc's now an uh, enemy of the state for some reason, and uh, uh, you know what? <laughs> I'll, I'll try somewhere else. Uh, I don't care about this. That's thumbs down. Understood. I was just thinking, Brother Beavis, Dazzler, I think, is the only mutant that uses her powers to get checks and fight people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, well, know, Beast does, right? I mean, yeah. he's, he's being paid as a professor. But that is his intelligence a part of his mutant ability? Nah, I guess not. His whatever animal they want him to be today is his power. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Beast's powers have become very nebulous over time as well. Yeah, um, he's always changing. When they changed him into a cat. It was all over for him. Oh, that, yeah. was, <laughs> that was so stupid. Oh, that was terrible. Nice. I forgot about that. Uh, they reference it too. The Reavers do too. Yeah, meow, big kid. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> you know, and, and, I, and at times I was like, you know, sometimes they need to retire some of these X Men and literally retire them. 
And yeah. this would have been a good time for Beast to just stay off the like, cause nobody was like, "Hey, I want to know what Beast is going on." You know, nobody was asking for Beast, so you know he should be that dude. He should Beast should be the dude in the chair. You yeah. know, yeah. He finds their assignments. Good He's choice. smart as hell. He gets them to everybody. Like he just, you know, I don't want to be in the field anymore. I got arthritis and shit. You know, I don't want to do that. I suck. So <laughs> yeah. So whatever. All right. Well, yeah, I'm thumbs, I'm thumbs down, brother. Beavis, you thumbs down. Yeah, and the big thing is you, you can't clown your protagonist for the entirety of his debut book. I mean, mm-hmm. they take a shit on him the whole time. It's like, yeah, uh, you're trying to get me to buy a book with havoc, and you just took a 22 page shit on him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's basically a bum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody wants yeah. anything to do with him. <laughs> yeah, he needs to terrible. team up with Spider Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Boy, oh, boy. And I didn't mention that in the Spider-Man book. Like, you know, cause it's told in a flashback kind of way. Like, everybody knows, you know, all, they're fight, he's fighting with the Avengers. They're fighting those spores that are in the Avengers book. And, um, or no, not, excuse me, they're not, oh, oh, my God, how did I miss this? All right, so sorry about that. They're, sp- they're fighting these things in town. It looks like those spores in the Avengers book or whatever. Everybody on the Avengers knows he's Peter Parker. And so when they see him, when he shows up to the fight, they're all looking at him side side eye because of what happened with him. You know, nobody trusts him anymore. He, you know, plagiarized this thing. Everybody's side eyed him or whatever. And though he figures out what the real, who the real villain is, blah 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 blah. And it's Mysterio, of course, when he's created like all this magical crap, you know, for these people to be fighting. So yay, he beats up Mysterio. So full helmet on. But Your boy. I know. Y'all think Mysterio's gonna make the helmet appearance with Jake Gyllenhaal? Is he gonna put that on? And <laughs> they'll be. <laughs> is he gonna I, get the fishbowl on his head? It's a ridiculous costume, but they'll have to make some sort of reference to it somehow. Yeah. Usually, Marvel is usually pretty good about honoring at least the idea of it, and then you know they'll move on. It's like, okay, that's here. It is. You see it. Now we're gonna move on because it's stupid. And yeah, they might have to take the Netflix approach. Yeah. Just tease yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Move on. Yeah. Yeah. Here it is, nerds. Now move on. All right. All right. The final book of the evening, and this should be the final time we ever review this book, is X-Men Gold, um, number 31. It is after the dusty finish. That was X-Men number 30, the non-wedding of Kitty and Peter. Um, man. <laughs> I don't even know. The, the the fact that they deal with that so ever so briefly in the middle of the book, but there's an A B plot too as well. Uh, I would say the Kitty Peter thing is the B plot really. Oh yeah. The B plot, yeah. Is, um, Did you see the hotel they stayed in? I just so noticed I, it. The hotel they stayed what? in, the Claire Burn the Hotel. Oh, yeah, Claire Burn. Yeah. I didn't see that. Ugh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Cute. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. That's fan service. Um. Yeah. Yeah, basically, Peter's staying in a hotel after what had happened. Kitty comes and visits him. She's like, you know, you're going to leave without saying goodbye? And I wish yes. she would have been like, yeah, bitch. <laughs> what do you expect? I was. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. But now that you're here, why don't you take these looks? Um, <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought they might have missed. I mean, they, maybe they won't. But it's like, you know, this might have been a good chance to actually turn Peter heel again. I mean, he was heel when he went with the Acolytes or whatever that mm-hmm. brief time. But it might have been a good time for him because really nothing has ever worked out for Colossus and the X Men if you really think about it. No, I mean seriously, my brother, my brother died. Shit, I died. 
My sister fucks demons. Um, I mean, what has ever really worked out for Peter? Yeah. I mean, honestly. I mean, it's just been a, a, a you know, 45 years of getting shit on. And you were thinking, yeah. like, you know what? Enough of this. I'm, I'm, I'm evil now. You know? And I've got the He was just the Stevie Ray on the team for the longest time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was the mainstay, big man. Never got too much yeah. glory. Yeah. Pretty regularly yeah. took a ass whipping. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. Yeah, it is. Stevie Ray of the X Men. Yep, he could have easily gone heel. <laughs> it would have been a perfect time to do it. And he could have put Kitty out. right through a plate glass window. <laughs> <laughs> My God, she didn't face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right, so yeah. So, yeah, so he leaves, and uh, he's like, I don't know where I'm going, maybe to Russia. I'm like, man, if you're going to visit Russia, things are. (laughs) He's going to team up with Spider-Man. Next week, (laughs) Spider-Man, Havoc, and Colossus. (laughs) (laughs) Less miserables. Wow. Exactly. Read that book. Oh, my God. So, yeah, so he doesn't know I was going to go to Russia or something. He's going to leave. Kitty's like, I love you. He's like, nah, son. Like, <laughs> don't even try it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't even try it, you know, and whatever. I mean, that really is the B plot of it. It's, I don't even know if you really call it a B plot. It's kind of like a C plot because they don't really even deal with the aftermath of what happened mm-hmm. besides, like, those maybe two pages. The A plot, B plot, or A, B, if that's the C plot, is Mesmero is still in freaking Rachel's head. <laughs> this dude. Good God, man. Man, let, let me tell you about somebody who can't be kept in prison. Is Mesmero. Because <laughs> this, I mean, <laughs> you know, there's like, nothing that can stop him, man. Yeah, every other week, he's like, out. Yeah, yeah. Every other week, he's like, X-Men Goal somebody. 25. The team squares off against the menace of Mesmero. X-Men 26, the team squares off against the menace of Mesmero. <laughs> X-Men 27, the team squares off. Okay. Uh, man, I mean, golly, man, he is unstoppable. He's a 60-minute man. When, Woo. when did Mesmero start man. getting so much play? Like, when did he turn into Magneto all of a sudden and shit? You know, Mr. Unstoppable. He used to be a B-roll freaking idiot um, uh, X-Men villain. <laughs> they would beat him up, yeah. you know, after one book. You know, was, uh, yeah, he's gotten a push, uh, a major push in this book. Huge push. Um, but we don't understand. He's still in her head, who's been in her head since, I think, maybe even issue number one. I mean, it's really been going on since the entire run of this book. And so the book shifts from after Kitty is uh, says goodbye to Colossus or vice versa, the book shifts. I, was, I, I put in my notes that it's uh, flashbacks, but it's really a flash forward yeah. <laughs> to the days of future past timeline. Yeah. And the days of, and then all the, it's a time that you really haven't seen much of unless you read it in certain other books where all the X-Men are really alive. Because it's the classic X-Men team set for Wolverine. They're all alive. And Forge has made some plot where they're going to get the, the collars off their necks and, you know, they gotta try to. I think they're trying to escape to Canada of some sort. Yep. And yeah. um, there's a there's a plot. The the plan works. They make their escape. There's battles with the Sentinels. They recreate Wolverine getting killed uh, from 141 from that cover or well, from the inside of the book. And but it's not actually Wolverine. Um, some other lesser known Inc. mutants get killed. Um, Storm gets killed. Uh, I mean, yeah. they just. 
you know, in the in the course of trying to get out, you know, every you know, people die, except for Kitty, who's allegedly pregnant. Was that in Days of Future Past also? I don't think I don't so. Remember that? Her being okay. pregnant? Remember? Yeah, no, she wasn't pregnant. Yeah. No, no, that was never part of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I didn't, wasn't a hundred percent sure, um, but yeah, they're headed to Canada to meet up with Alpha Flight, a side brother topic or whatever. I'm reading the champions of it, it didn't refresh, it just got a new team. Mark Way's off that book too. Um and I think it's three issues in with I think it's Jim Zub, maybe. I don't I never heard it do before. It's actually a lot better. Um hmm. like it, it's a lot better. Hmm. Uh, and you I put in the notes, you were like, Oh, we'll get a good cyclops. Yeah, he ain't on the team no more. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's gone. Just back with the other action. <laughs> so you have to worry about that. That's, that's over. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's much better, and I, the only reason I say that is because there's three issues into this, and issue 21, I think it is, they're fighting Alpha Flight, so, mm. um, which I know Alpha Flight's going to lose because they are literally the vanilla big man, and they're mm. going to get pinned by some teenagers, but anyway, um, there's no doubt about it, uh, so yeah, but anyway... So they're headed to Canada. Um, we even get a fastball special. I saw in the fight yeah, there yeah. with Kitty and Colossus. Yeah. Uh, so on their way to Canada via New Jersey, um, they get caught on the street. And I put in my notes here, Brother Beavis. Uh, Peter gets shot, but um, as a Boomhouse, no, not Boomhouse, whoever the dude was on the King of the Hill. It was, Which one? It was the dude with the hat and the. Oh, the Dale, I believe. Hat. Oh, Dale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got killed by Dale. Warning shot, muties. Everyone on the ground, or you're all dead. Yeah. Yeah. That was not clear. Dale, Dale Gribble. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I put yeah I put in my nose Boomhauser, but I boom the Boomhauer, but yeah. Man, <laughs> same thing. Same thing. Same down the street and all blowing him back around. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, Google it, people, if you don't watch King of the Hill. Um, so, yeah, so Peter gets shot, and then uh, Rachel is back in her uh, hunting mode, and she's hunting down the mutants for whoever these people are here. And, you know, she gets to drop on them. Kurt and her are married um, in that version of this, mm-hmm. and he tries to appeal to her, and that doesn't work either. And his her father, Scott, tries to appeal to her as well. And she was like, nah, son, and snaps his neck uh, <laughs> telekinetically, I would assume, and drops him. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. And that's how the book ends, although it ends in between timelines in reality. And then as a pyro, pyro new pyro, and Iceman confront her, uh, you know, about what she has done. And basically, again, this is Mesmero in her head. And we obviously know it's not real, but this is basically uh, a Rachel story. So, what did y'all think of that one, Sammy? Uh, I've said before on this podcast, I actually like Rachel as a character, even though Marvel has fucked her over for basically however many years that she's been around. Chris Claremont created her for the um, Days of Future Past uh, uh, storyline back in the heyday of the X-Men, and ever since then, they really haven't known what the hell to do with her. They They'll fuck with her for a little while, then you know she'll be thrown into the far future or some other bullshit, and then they get her back and they do shit like this with her, you know, it just I don't know, just crazy ass fucking storylines. Uh, like, I mean, I, I kind of like the the fact that you know they're revisiting her um, her uh, hound days, like when uh, she was uh, brought up in a, a concentration camp basically for mutants, 
and uh, brainwashed to hunt down our own kind. It's fucked up. So uh, them kind of trying to do something with that, I'm cool with. But you know, I don't. This is kind of crazy, and the whole <laughs> and the whole thing with Mesmero, I just, eh, eh, I don't know. It was kind of a thumbs down for yeah. me. I didn't it, really care for it. Yeah. It's it seems that. Um, Again, we're in a placeholder type of story here mm-hmm. that we know this and we already know the book is going to end and it's not, you know, we already know the book is going to end. So this is just a story to bridge the end of this book, Brother Beavis. But if you try to look at it as an individual issue, what did you think of Goal 31? Well, I think uh, a flash forward to Days of Future Past, I think is always welcome. And the fact that they snuck in like a couple panel for panel recreations was pretty cool. I think that I, 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 everything Sandman said about Rachel is like they never really knew what to do with her. I think is absolutely true. And I think when she was put into this book, she could have just been like kind of a background character, like you know, like a mockingbird of, on the Avengers or something like that. And um, the fact that they're trying to do something with her, I think, is great. Um, but here again, she's sort of anchored in her one story. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know where this can go, but yeah, it's, you know, alternate reality mixed with book is probably going to get canceled. It's hard to get too worked up about it. (laughs) Right. You know, and every version of Jean Grey that they've brought back, including Jean Grey, including Hope Summers, including Rachel Summers, they paint themselves into a phoenix corner yep. about how powerful they're going to make them and how much is she like Jean and what is her destiny and whatnot. And so every time they do it, you know that that character becomes um, limited in their ability to cope with whatever phoenix force power or whatever they're going to give them. And so for her, as the hound, this is her... This is her collar, so to speak. I guess, mm-hmm. you know, pun intended. This is her collar to drag her through whatever reality that you can do, because you can always keep bringing her back to it. And yeah. um, it's a tired trope at this point, because you know, yeah. well, and you know, because she was nowhere to be. As again, I wasn't reading the books as much. She was nowhere to be found prior to this. So I would imagine when X Men Gold goes away, she will also be nowhere to be found. Um, and yeah. you know. At, Again, these books seem like so close to like a refresh once whatever happens with this merger or whatever. Get a refresh, bring back Wolverine after this hunt for Animanium or whatever. Like that's going to happen and you're going to get, I would imagine, maybe two books, probably not. And then they'll probably jettison off, you know, uh, the young uh, mutants or whatever because now you really do have two Jean Greys, two Iceman, two Beasts, one Cyclops. One Cyclops. But, right. you know, like I think at some point in time, you're going to have to get rid of the young kids and be done with them because you just got too many of oh, the same character. Whatever. But yeah, uh, I was thumbs down on this. I really would have preferred an issue of Colossus beating everybody up, beating up rocks, mountains, um, <laughs> trying to get back out the battle planet. Like anything would have been better than a Rachel Mesmero story. Like I just nope. <laughs> this, is not, this is not for me, man. So yeah, I'm good. All right. So yeah, I'm thumbs down there. Uh, but I understand. Yes, yeah, like whatever. Your book is ending. What do I care? So, all right. 
that include that could start to conclude our annual. That wasn't too bad, y'all. The book, I mean, what we we, we got through I it. Mean, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, not that as much as like the books weren't that bad. Like I'm I'm way up on Captain America. I'm way up on Immortal Hawk. Y'all didn't read Spider Man. I'm way up on Spider Man. I'm good on that. I think the X Men books, just as a general, are just bad. Like at this point in time, like I don't think. I mean, I don't. I'm trying to come back to any X Men book that we read in this season, or you know, the current X Men books that we were like, you know what, that book's doing really well. Uh, I can't think of one. Mm, you know no. I mean? So like, I I think they're just that's just par for the course at this point in time. Yeah. So whatever. It, ahead of that, and before we start to get to the X or whatever. So thinking about the books that we did do during season three. Um, is there any book that stands out for you that you're like, you know what? Even if we did only did like one issue and you've been reading on your own, is there any book that stands out for you? Or like, oh, you know, for season three, that book, you know, I really like that book, Sandman. Um, I might have to go with Captain America. There were a couple of issues that actually did surprise me. Then you know, I don't really read Captain America uh, uh, unless it's usually for uh, the podcast. And so I was like, wow, mm-hmm. yeah, I actually enjoyed that. I might actually go back to that. So. That kind of stood out to me. There was, uh, his old crazy adventure into the future and stuff. I thought it was whack at first, but it was. I mean, there were, there were some good books in there uh, that I was surprised, and the artwork surprised me at times. So yeah, that'd be my choice. Okay. All right, brother Beavis. Um, well, aside from all the DC books, which I thought were spectacular, uh, <laughs> I think yeah that that initial run, that initial alternate reality run of Cap. Um, against uh rampart and behringer or whatever his name was that was really cool um had a great conclusion um could have set up for something that they kind of stepped away from but yeah that that was by far i think the best thing we read yeah yeah those were really good um i thought um yeah the dc books stop it um yeah, I, yeah, that was the one that really stands out. I really, like, kind of, again, like, I read a little bit on my own or uh, gone back or whatever. Um, that Avengers book is growing on me. Um, you know, uh, that first issue was, uh, and then the Loki reveal was even more, uh, but it was actually starting to get better. So uh, I'll probably stick with that one. But, yeah, that Cap book was really good, so um, I'll stick with that. I know, I know that Iron Man book want number one yeah. or 700 whichever the, whether the ending or the beginning was one of the worst books that we read on top of that Spider-Man 800 yeah, Woo! Yeah, that was that was terrible one of the, that's one of the worst books that we read this entire season terrible I just want to smack somebody upside the head that shit was so bad but anyway alright so that wraps up season three with our annual uh, again you'll be able to find this yeah again you'll be able to find this <laughs> podcast on SoundCloud iTunes Stitcher rate before we subscribe yeah. <laughs> yeah we're gonna refresh it uh, again <laughs> we will be back for season 4 after we conclude our Game of Thrones podcast I know what you did last winter which I think we're down to the last two episodes of that so we'll be a little quick uh, break here for that and then we'll be right back with season 4 uh, there are some good books coming down the pipe. We will get our restart of Fantastic Four. Um, and, yeah, so kind of looking forward to that, kind of, sort of. Uh, yeah. And all the way, I, I did, I've been reading this on my own, something that we read as well. Um, Doctor Strange actually gotten a lot better, too. Um, mm. 
Uh, and again, I'm not a fan of the character. Definitely was not a fan of issue one. Um, but yeah, it's gotten a lot better, even though he's still off doing some freak, um, Cap Kirk shit. But it, it, it did actually get better. So, all right. So that's it. So yeah. So again, rate, review, subscribe, uh, part of the Brothers Comics Podcast and Network, find the show, find your life, all those types of things. Uh, you can find articles and postings on brotherscomics.com. That's B-R-O-T-H-A-S-C-O-M-I-C-S. Dot com. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Brothers Comics, B-R-O-T-H-A-S-C-O-M-I-C-S. Where can they find you, Sammy? You can always find me at Sandman415 on the Twitters. Always uh, feel free to drop by a friendly comment, or if not so friendly, I'll just say the hell with you and we can just go about our business. How about that? That's right. That's right. And that's right. Brother Beavis is in the ether, so. But we can get to him if you really need to. <laughs> then y'all did best thing about him talking about Black Panther, but we're not going to bring that up. Mm, <laughs> forbidden subject. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Alright, so as the X-Men, the animated series begins to play us out, we're going to say goodnight. Uh, Sandman, say goodnight. Sayonara, people. We will see you next episode. Brother Beavis, say goodnight. Alright, take it easy. See you on Westeros right, next, I guess. That's alright. We'll be in Westeros. Alright, everybody. Peace. Peace.